0: Hello, East Glenville Community Church. This is episode 26. So, I have a question. And we're talking about the discussion from Sunday, April 17th, which was Easter. Yes. Hello, Jess. Hello. Nice to have you here.
1: Yeah, I'm glad we can get into this.
0: Yes, and excited to talk about Easter as it is the best thing to talk about. <laughs> I might be biased as a Christian. There you go. <laughs> um. Okay, but... First question. So you actually started your sermon with an illustration of a mystery detective. And I'm curious. I guess I should say you spoke on the passage of Luke 24, uh, verses 13 through 27, which is Jesus in disguise meeting with two of the disciples who are on the road to Emmaus. Yes. And so how did you get that in, like analogy? How did you get there?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a... It's an interesting passage and it is a bit, there's questions that come with it. Like, why does Jesus do as he does? And and then the key event is him going through and explaining the Old Testament scriptures concerning himself. And so what, what got me there specifically, the mystery, is what Paul writes when the Apostle Paul later in Romans said... Um, he talks about the gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ as the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed. Mm. And um, and so it's it's as if the pro- prophetic writings he talks about, like it was this thing, this code that was written, but it needed someone to interpret it. It needed someone to show it. And that's usually what you get with like a mystery detective when they, they they see things that not everyone sees. But once they tell it to you, oh, yeah. now it makes sense. And that's, that's the kind of idea I think captures what was happening mm. on the road to Emmaus. Because once these guys heard Jesus saying this, even before they knew he was Jesus, they still thought he was a stranger. They're like, was not our hearts burning to us mm. on the road as we talked? Like... Once they had someone point out the clues that could make sense,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, and kind of along that lines, like so you mentioned how especially Jesus it was hard for Jesus, or I guess we should start with this, you were speculating that it was hard for Jesus to explain all of these prophetic passages to the disciples uh when he was physically with them, and he his identity wasn't hidden because right. of the awe factor I'm gonna call it, uh and so. Do you think there was anything else that could have also made Jesus not want to talk about it in that condition? or
1: You mean to, to try to talk about after he was raised from the dead or before yes, he was raised? after he okay. was raised from the dead. Um, yeah, I, just to clarify, I think before he was raised from the dead, the disciples just couldn't get the idea that the Messiah would have to die. Right. And that was the key thing. Like it just made no sense to them and so they wouldn't hear it. Um, they would argue with him. Um, as far as why he wouldn't just say, "Okay, now I'm raised from the dead. Here I am. Let me go through this." Um, I, I, my best guess really is is that they they just weren't capable of listening. And when I read the gospel passages, mm-hmm. they they feel a bit like the disciples are heart, having trouble taking it in. Mm-hmm. You know, like. They're still confused. They're still a bit in a haze from it. Um, the ca- that's maybe why the accounts seem so different from the different gospel writers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so... And maybe it was even just too soon for them to hear it dispassionately from him. Mm-hmm. Um, we see, like Mary Magdalene, when she encountered him, she, she said... She wanted to hold on to him It says, Jesus said, you can't, you can't hold on to me. I got to return to the father. Yeah. And, and I think there are other things, but what I notice about what Jesus does teach the disciples in that short term of resurrection appearances is very simple and straightforward. Mm -hmm. Like all authority has been given to me from the father. Therefore go and make disciples. Mm -hmm. You know, he's not getting to elaborate things. I still think it's difficult to even with the explanation sort of see within the old testament how it connects it's not just straightforward you gotta you gotta put some thought into it right and that's the part i think was difficult for to do in that short time of jesus appearing to them
0: yeah yeah because i can't remember which gospel it is but there's one where jesus first appears to them in the room and they're like like you know they're just so taken aback that they're like Can he, he eats like he's, he's not a ghost. He actually is a person and he can eat food. And like that to them is, you know, that's the big takeaway.
1: That's a great example. Yeah. He has to prove (laughs) things and they're still, they're not ready to take an advanced theological concepts, Mm -hmm. but somehow these two people along the road, hearing it from a stranger, Mm -hmm. it seems to make sense to them. Yeah. So I love that idea that that's how Jesus was getting around the problem. Mm-hmm. Of needing them to understand, and so I made a point. Let me ask you: Does this kind of gel with thinking that that they not understanding why Jesus had to die, mm-hmm. the Messiah had to die, kept them from believing in the resurrection?
0: Yeah, I think it. I think so because it's because you could even understand that, like, if you assume Jesus was human, right, a hundred percent human. Or even, like, 100% God, 100% human. And that, like, you know, he, he says he's going to have to die. Like, okay, everyone dies. But I'm assuming that he would die, you know, after he became king. Okay. Not that his death would be his enthronement
1: okay. as king.
0: And yes. so, so, if I didn't understand that part of it, I would be like, well, wait, that, that came early. Like, I just don't... What? Like, how? Yeah. So, I think I could, like, I could understand how they just can't wrap their mind quite around it of Mm -hmm. the like this just doesn't make logical sense um
1: and so then after they've seen him dead
0: mm -hmm.
1: but be and they've heard about the empty tomb or seen the empty tomb but they still can't make the leap right that it was part of the plan um because they can't understand it yeah so that's why they're still that's why they don't believe the women.
0: Yeah, cuz I mean it's it's one of those things. It I mean Jesus says when he what's it Thomas? We all call him Downing Thomas, but it's right. like blessed are those who believe in me and like haven't been able to see me raised from the dead. Like yeah. he, I think Jesus even understands that like this is a mind shifting, boggling, you know, thing. And to think of the fact that like good not only did good Friday happen, but so did Saturday. Yeah. And so these people have been mourning and confused and lost yeah. for over 24 hours. And if you go back to the trial, it's even more so. Right. And so to suddenly have somebody say, like, he's not dead, like, you'd just be like, I'm sorry. Like, you're, you're just so in grief that you're seeing things.
1: Right. They, they, they would have, it would make sense. There would mm-hmm. be better explanations to why they, they think they saw him.
0: Yeah. Then he's
1: actually alive again. It
0: would be less of a leap of faith or less of a leap in comprehension to explain it away than it would be to actually accept it.
1: Yeah. So when they did accept it, it's because something changed. Yeah. And I think that's one of the better reasons for the resurrection. I mean, if you take the gospel accounts that at first they didn't believe it, they Mm. weren't looking for a resurrection. Instead, for them, it was a surprise then then th- there had to have something happened. Yeah. And hence seeing him alive again was what actually spurred it. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. And the angel and the earthquake might have helped at least for the women. Yeah. But
1: it'd be interesting I w- I wish we would have had a gospel written by one of the women to say, "No, we sort of we sort of figured it out." <sighs> they just wouldn't believe us, you know, is that what, or would they say, no, we were kind of confused too. I'd be, maybe we'll get to ask when we get up, get, get to that next, next world. So.
0: Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And I was trying to think through, and maybe you could help me with this. So I was trying to think of like, if there was a recent example of something similar in that, like it's such a mind boggling shift in direction that like to try to explain it to someone like they wouldn't be able to comprehend it um and the best thing i could think of was like television like if you were to try to explain a television to somebody who had never seen one yeah like you know oh we take this thing called electricity that you can't see but is there and we turn it into light and then you get a picture and like and i i've heard of stories of like people taking televisions to like or even just a projector Right, to like third world countries that don't even have electricity and like showing them a picture of something that they're used to like a tiger in the jungle, jungle, and they're all like thinking it's real, yeah, and like just can't wrap their mind around how it's just a pic- a moving picture in a box
1: well, the famous example is the first um movie picture is they just had of a train, and the train was coming towards the camera, and people screamed and yelled and got out of the you <laughs> know out of the way, that. yeah, that's. Um, that they couldn't fathom I guess the example I, I thought of is not so much old people now, but like 20 years ago okay. when the internet first came out, like trying to explain how the internet worked to someone, you know, my yep. grandfather's age is just like, no, no, they just can't, they don't need to, They don't, they're not going to get it and it's not worth trying. Right. Yeah. Yep and i'm sure one day i'll be like that no i don't i don't care what technology you have unless they had it on star trek <laughs> first and then i could comprehend it cuz i saw it on star trek right yeah
0: <laughs> oh man so i had so we've kind of talked about why we think jesus had to appear kind of inc- incognito uh but i was curious why do you think he appeared incognito first to like you know, two disciples that were on the road leaving probably because they gave up.
1: Yeah, because he cared about. Hmm. Like he hadn't given up on them. He understood why.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, um, likely others were going to start to drift as well. Yeah. You know, um, we we never hear Cleopas and and whoever the unnamed other disciples. Some have suggested it's even his his wife. I've heard that suggestion. Mm. Um. Not sure, but whoever they were, they, um, you know, they don't show up again later. I don't believe in any of the Bible. So they weren't any particularly major. They were just part of this community and Jesus is like, no, don't give up yet. So I think he picks them on that for that reason alone would be enough.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, Jesus did not use his appearances to go to the, the skeptics, to go appear to those who had, you know, the chief priest or, you know, right. part of me thinks, man, why didn't he do that? <laughs> but, but he did, you know, those who struggled with faith because of what they'd seen, mm-hmm. he totally was willing to, um, totally willing to, to, to reach out to them and appear to them. Says he appeared to his, his. Brother James, mm. who seemed to have become a skeptic about Jesus as the Messiah, and that was what brought James back into the Christian community. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, right, because there's yeah. a couple. What is it? There's there's a span of time with appearances that isn't recorded in the Bible, right?
1: I believe. I, tr- explain that again.
0: There, like there, there's. I believe it's John who says like there's was more things that Jesus. More appearances that Jesus made okay. that aren't recorded in the Bible?
1: Um, he didn't say it appearances. He says more things he's done. But there's certainly... You could be right. That,
0: okay.
1: I think... It might not I, be John. I, I don't think we have the whole list of all that he, he right. did. Um, and the only one where he appeared to someone who was who was against him was Paul, the apostle. Mm-hmm. And that was much later. Yeah. That was a special case thing. Um, so, yeah, I I think it's possible... Others of the, because we know there were 70 disciples in the community of disciples, at least in the beginning of Acts. Mm -hmm. So could, you know, we have recorded the 12.
0: Right. You know, did
1: Jesus appear to Mary, his mom? Did he, you know.
0: Right. Or was she included in the. In the the women.
1: Right. Were the women
0: included in the group of disciples that were in the upper room when Jesus showed up?
1: Yeah. I don't know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I think even Jesus' ministry, he has the, like, sending out of the 72. Um, right. So there, that seemed to be kind of his, his. It's hard
1: to know when it's just the 12 versus when it's the larger community. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Hmm.
0: So. Okay. Um, I, so can we pretend that we have seven miles to walk? Okay. Okay. Um, And maybe talk about a couple more of the prophecies in a little bit more detail. So you you mentioned two in your sermon. One was um, obviously Passover, right? which would have been the holiday they were celebrating. And then the other you mentioned briefly was Isaiah 53. Yeah. And so do you know of any... I guess we... I think Passover is kind of self-explanatory in the fact that it's the sacrificial lamb is the biggest connection were there any others for that one too
1: well and there's there's ones that maybe aren't that aren't as explicit on um on messianic like i think even just looking at the whole temple system of sacrifices Mm i i would guess he explained that those were all pointed to him
0: yeah
1: um certainly you can think about abraham's near sacrifice of isaac Mm -hmm. And where it says God and Abraham says God himself will provide the sacrifice. Um, so instead of sacrificing Isaac, his own son, you know, you know, that God himself was going to actually provide his own son Mm -hmm. as a sacrifice. You can, I mean, there's the, the snake that's lifted on the pole. That's, that's a story from numbers that's mentioned in John three. Um, He might've explained that one to him, how this, the, the, they looked upon the snake and it was, had, they were being killed by poisonous snakes. And so God said, make a a bronze snake, lift it on a pole. And if you're bitten, look, look upon the snake, the bronze snake. And it's like the thing that was killing you, the death itself was being lifted up. Mm -hmm. And now it had become, what was death now became the thing to look at for salvation. Yeah. So, those are some that come to mind. Do you have any more? You yeah,
0: you? I I thought of the the Leviticus one because I remember the first time somebody showed to me if you look at Exodus, like I think the last I hope I'm doing this right. I think the last sentence in Exodus or it's like the first sentence in Leviticus is that like because of the sin of Israel they couldn't enter the um the tent of meeting. Okay. And then if you look at the... It's either the last sentence of Leviticus or the first sentence in Numbers. It's that, like, they could re-enter God's presence. Oh, okay. And so, like, that... It's, like, the entire book of Leviticus is all about, like, how we get... When we no longer can enter God's presence because of our sin. How we get back into it. And I can see Jesus being, like, you know, I'm going to now... do it a different way. Like I'm going to do it the fine the true most perfect way of being the Leviticus sacrificial lamb. I right. guess Right, he
1: would fulfill Yeah. what those animal sacrifices could never yes. really resolve.
0: Right, cuz they they yeah. might have done it, you know. In theory, they the animal sacrifices could have done it for the nation of Israel in theory, if they actually followed it, which they didn't. Um but then and that was the whole point to show that we couldn't actually do it on our own. Mm. And so then Jesus came and did it once for everyone. So I think that was the big, and then there's, yeah. and the, that
1: reminds me of like, cause I've been reading the book of Hebrews, the letter mm-hmm. to the Hebrews, which is all about how Jesus took on the role of the high priest. Yes, And, and so that would have been, um, that's kind of what you're saying. Like mm-hmm. Hebrews is spelling out all that same idea that Jesus fulfilled this role.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and maybe even some of the like the root of Jesse, and all those like the messianic king, okay, type of prophecies. Um, the other
1: big one, is Psalm two. Yeah, that that doesn't deal so much with the. That's a recognized messianic prophecy. It doesn't. There's nothing in that so much that spells out the death of the Messiah, mm-hmm. but but certainly the the plan of the Messiah being the Son of God.
0: Yeah, and isn't Psalm twenty two right? That's what. He quotes on the cross. Yes. And so that one as well, probably.
1: I would I would expect... The question is what in Psalm 22 would lead you to believe it applies to the Messiah. Mm-hmm. But having seen a, a crucifixion, Psalm 22 has a lot of eerie parallels yeah. to crucifixion. Um, that, you know, And Psalm 22 is written long before the Romans were around crucifying people.
0: Mm-hmm. So... Yeah. Yeah, and I think... And I guess this kind of goes, my next kind of question. So like, you know, Jesus quoted Psalm 22. So anybody who heard him quote it while he was dying on the cross would have immediately recognized it. Yeah. And so were there any other clues that Jesus left in his crucifixion himself, in in the crucifixion itself, that could have helped the disciples see it before Mm. Jesus came back?
1: Wow, that's a and the like things that he did versus things that i mean there's the the gambling of clothes mm-hmm. that matthew mentions that's that's something um i mean that again it's not something he does but the that criminal calling out mm. remember me when you come into your kingdom mm-hmm. still believing that he's the king despite what's happening to him, which the more I think about, the more amazing that is. Yeah. Um, that that does show a real faith. So...
0: Yeah. And I guess the other things I'm thinking of is like the 30 pieces of silver that Judas was paid to betray Jesus. Yeah. And... Um, and
1: 30 pieces of silver is mentioned somewhere. And again, I'd have to look closer to see if what the connection is with that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think the events in, in Gethsemane mm. were really at the Mount of Olives, the prayer at night and, and in the fact that Jesus did not fight back, mm-hmm. um, that he's saying, you know, all long like, this is not something I have to fight.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, this is part of the plan.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And the the temple curtain ripping for the holy of holies.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, that's huge.
0: That would have been
1: So I guess things that that God engineers yeah within the crucifixion event. Um now the question is is when did they hear about or how would they've heard about the temple curtain ripping? Right. Would that was that going to be broadcast information?
0: I mean, probably not.
1: Probably not. But you know what it says later in Acts? That the many priests started to come to faith,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and they probably saw that, yeah, and made some connections, yeah, so interesting
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah, I when you once it's happened and you can look back on it, you see so many things,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that's what's a truly amazing um yeah and but going into it, in the midst of it, you'd never see him. Oh, yeah, no. And how often does it happen in our lives? Like you, you go into something. You know, you're going in the midst of going through something. God seems so distant, but then when you look back, like, oh man, Lord, you got me through that all the all the way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I could think of times where I felt bereft of God, or at least like, God, why are you doing this? And when it was all played out, I'm like, okay, God, mm-hmm. you know what you're doing after all. Yeah. Hmm.
0: Yeah. Okay, so you close your sermon with a picture, image, analogy.
1: I just called it the chair illustration.
0: Illustration. That was the yeah. word I couldn't think of. Um, and so I kind of wanted to just, let's... I'm thinking we could just go through like the really noticeable points of what you said and okay. kind of summarize it, walk through it type of thing.
1: Yeah. Um, first of all, being that the chairs are meant to be face-to-face. Mm-hmm. And the hope is that conveys that, that God... We, we were intended for a relationship with
0: God. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: yeah, and that makes sense because if we're made in the image of God and God is the Trinity, who's already in relationship with himself. It makes sense that part of being made in his image means we're made for relationship.
1: Yeah. Which is a stuff we talked a lot about when we're going through John 14, yep. 15, 16. And I think it's the thing, when people in the world who don't understand any of this, when they're talking about heaven, they are not thinking like that. They are thinking in terms of a reward for being good Mm -hmm. or, you know, them experiencing good things. They're not thinking in terms of heaven being with God. And so I think that's one of the reasons why they they really miss out on what God's about uh, or what what the whole thing's about.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, like, obviously, you know, heaven is going to be more spectacular than we can even imagine type of thing. But I think talking about heaven in terms of the fact that like we will finally be in full relationship with no hindrance with God. Yeah. It makes sense as to how Jesus could say he was bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth. Yeah. Because he's bringing the ability to start having a you know, reasonable taste, not just like a little uh like taste testing taste, like a good portion of what heaven will be like now. Yeah. As we become his disciples and do life with him.
1: Um, and then the second part is turned away. Mm-hmm. And I didn't put a lot of effort into that one this time because I was trying to be quick about it. Yep. How does that strike you as far as... Do people need to be convinced that all human beings have turned away from God? Or is that is that pretty
0: I think, easy to
1: see nowadays?
0: I think it's easier to see. I think you would have to... Cause I think, I think the two main things that people would argue kind of used to argue against is the like, well, how did I turn away if I don't think it's true? Maybe something along those lines. Okay. Um, but, but I would say kind of the like, is you'd have to almost explain that indifference is the same as turning away. Yeah. Just like, you know, people say like, you know, I don't, I might not hate someone, but not hating them isn't love. Right. right? It's the same thing of the like, yeah, you, maybe you didn't. Maybe you didn't, like, actively say, like, God, like, you're not real, you suck, or something like that. But to be indifferent to God and just be like, eh, whatever, I don't care. That would be right. the same as turning away and not wanting to be in relationship.
1: And I think the terms I use is choosing to live life on our own apart from God. Mm-hmm. Or deciding for ourselves what we believe is good and evil. Yeah. Versus honoring, you know, going with what God says. Yep. Um, see, I... When I used to do the illustration in Young Life or they did it at camp, mm-hmm. they would actually do it as part of a drama and uh, they would have, you know, like high school, they'd have adults playing high school characters yeah. and, you know, one would be the jock and one would be the nerd, like we we're totally into stereotypes, but <laughs> it worked. Yeah. and. And so you'd have these these five characters, and then they would rank which ones they thought were closer to God Uh. versus further away from God. And, you know, you'd have the, well, the one sleeping with his girlfriend is pretty far away, and the one who went to church, she wasn't as far away. And then what they would do is they'd illustrate the fact that they've all turned away from God, Mm. and in effect are all equally distant from him. None Mm. are really that close in that sense. So... So okay. I didn't go into that much detail, but that that was, I think that that was helpful for communicating. We're all in the same boat when mm-hmm. it came to this.
0: Yeah, and you illustrated that with the chairs of how you had some of them, you know, further away from the god chair. Yeah. But they were all still turned away. Yes. So, yeah.
1: And then the third part with the barrier, mm-hmm. it didn't matter if you were in a sense, felt closer. Or you know, looked closer mm-hmm. the barrier that uh, of sin. So how would you explain the barrier of sin? The sin, I call it sometimes the sin wall.
0: Yeah, it. I like. I think you said something about how it just entangles, in like us, and so it. It's one of those things where it just it distorts everything. Okay. And so, like, even if you you know, it, it distorts our relationships with one another. And so just like to have a relationship with God, it it's just not my brain right now, which I don't know, is thinking about like magnets and how like, you know, when you have polar opposites, like the magnets physically can't attract to each other. They repel each other. Okay. And so like, you just like, no matter how hard you shove them together, they'll always repel. Like there's just no, mm. they just don't mesh. Um, and so that's, yeah, that's kind of what I think of with the, the sin wall.
1: So just to clarify, I, I, maybe I do sometimes distinguish the brokenness that comes with sin that's Mm. infected each one of us. And by the sin wall, I'm more referring to the condition we're in because, because we, we are unable to stand in the presence of a holy and perfect Mm. God and God being who He is, you know the God who said the wages of sin is death, cannot change His word, cannot go back on that, right? Because um, God is pure and holy. You know we can state things and change our mind, but God can't. So
0: yeah, so I guess it's the the difference of the like if I'm currently living in sin. Right and choosing those actions versus the fact that I have already in my past done something, that means that I deserve death type of thing. Yeah,
1: or because like we're stained by sin. Yeah, you know, um, it's corrupted us, mm-hmm. and God can't not judge us. Yeah, um, and still be God, mm-hmm. and so that's what created the wall.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you added. An additional part which I really appreciated and liked about like talking about how about what God was experiencing on his side of the wall. Okay. Because I don't think that so I was wondering if you could reiterate that because I don't think usually usually we're so focused on the you know the gospel message side of things of yeah how Jesus moves that wall and then he helps us turn back that we don't think about like God on his side of the wall.
1: For, so from our perspective, we see God as harsh. If you just look at the Old Testament, mm-hmm. you you know, God seems to be harsh and, un, un, you know, judge, judging uh, like against us and or humanity. And people get that idea that God is distant and far away. But that's because we're only seeing God through that sin wall barrier that's up. Mm-hmm. But what we find out through Jesus and at times it's hinted in the old Testament that God actually has a heart of a father that doesn't want anyone Mm -hmm. to, to be apart from him. He desperately wants to, but, but that sin wall is real and he, he has to enact a plan to get around it Mm -hmm. so that God's heart always was for us and care for us. Um, and that's why Jesus, when he comes says, you know, you need to think of God as your father Mm. who's in heaven. Um, you know he, he is. Um, you know you're not gonna get get things away with him. You know like he's not a softy in the sense of well he'll just you know, but he he still has a heart for people mm-hmm. and those who are hurting. So that's why Jesus said, "Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened." And or it says he had compassion on those who were like lost, like like shepherd without a sheep,
0: mm-hmm.
1: sheep without a shepherd.
0: Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Anyway, so I've gone those themes before. So that's, I think, understanding that helps me understand why why it felt and is fe- even still feels at times why God is more distant than he really is.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And why God had to send his son into the world to break through the barrier. That he made the choice
0: mm-hmm. to
1: get through um, and reach out to us.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that from the beginning he was already trying to figure out the plan. To remove that
1: yes, barrier. Because we would be unable to get to him.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And then ultimately, Jesus alone could remove the barrier.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And did I convey how he did that?
0: I'm, yes. Through Through his sacrifice. Well, he had to
1: take it upon himself. Oh,
0: Yes. We
1: sing it right. He became sin who knew no sin sin. that we might become. Yeah, Um, Mm -hmm. that he had to bring it upon himself Mm -hmm. and then die with it. Yeah, was the way he removed it from us. So in that sense, one part of the salvation work is done. Mm -hmm. The barrier is removed. Right, but how does that leave us still in need?
0: Yeah, because if just because the barriers removed, we're still facing the wrong way. Yes. And we on our own don't our our natural inclination is to face the wrong way.
1: Is to continue to go our own way. Yep. Yeah. So by his death he dealt with with the mm-hmm. sin barrier. Mm-hmm. And now he's alive, he's able to come to us and speak to us and invite us and mm-hmm. Really enable us to make that turn back to the Father. Yeah. And what I I didn't go into this I I th- I thought a lot about like it's that that ability to turn our chair mm-hmm. back to God that how much help we need doing that is is the distinction between the old debate between the Calvinists yes. and the Arminians. You know the Arminians would say we just turn it around. Yeah, right? we just decide. The Calvinists would say, there's nothing you could do. Your heart's so wicked, you can't even decide to turn it around. Right. He, you know, God, God randomly you. picks who he will turn around. Yeah, that, who knows? Yeah. Um, but that's, either way, in some way, we definitely need his help to even make that turn back to God. Mm-hmm. And so it's necessary, not only that he die for us, that, that he be alive yeah. and pursuing us through his word, through his spirit.
0: And through his people
1: through his people you did listen to me
0: I did yeah
1: <laughs> so are there any other points that can be made out of that
0: i I think that was yeah no I think that was all of them I think that was your whole illustration unless I'm missing something
1: that gets gets to it yeah mm-hmm. um I mean you, you could say not everyone turns true uh I don't know if I I thought about talking about this. I don't think I did the idea of universalism is the idea that everyone's will be saved and that either just dealing with the sin barrier was enough and that now we're all in a saving relationship with God or Mm -hmm. that God will somehow force all chairs to turn. But I think the reality of the, the the gospels teach that some will never turn. Mm -hmm. Um, And they'll, they'll come an end point for that, that, that chance to make that heart turn towards God.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so I don't know, again, I don't think I emphasized that, but, um, oh, and just the, the fact that sometimes those furthest away Mm. find it easier to turn because they recognize they're missing something where those who think they're okay, but their hearts are still going their own way.
0: Yeah.
1: Might not see as much of the need.
0: Yep yeah the when we find ourselves in need, it's you know more okay to think that either something needs to change or that we need help. Yeah, and so I know that especially with college students, they say like you know freshmen who everything's new and everything's changing,
1: mm. and they're
0: experiencing a different take on life for the first time, or seniors who are afraid of what's next are okay. often the most open. To listening and under, experiencing Jesus for the first time.
1: Mm. Yeah. I, I bet that's right. And I bet you could also add parents of young children. Yep. Who you're figuring out, like, I'm suddenly in charge of this other kid, you know. Right. There's a reason why parents of young children sometimes find their way back to church. Mm-hmm. hmm Well, I, I bet we've explored this and we're yep. probably getting along on our time. Um, this coming Sunday... Uh, is Youth Sunday and we actually have a guest speaker Ooh. so I'm interested to hear how that plays out mm-hmm. and then after this Elijah
0: nice nice alright well thank you as always
1: thanks Jess